Hey Tribe, what's up? How are you? What's going on? This is Coach Fa, and you are officially tuned into the Breathe Life Podcast. As always, I look forward to taking every opportunity I can to breathe more life and more love into this world through a variety of topics and discussions, as I believe my knowledge and experience creates values for others, and as well as plays an important role in my own healing. Guys, I'm excited to be able to get and really just kind of invest in what we're going to discuss today in today's subject. So today's journey is going to be all about uncovering my philosophy on fitness and movement. Being a part of this fitness industry for as long as I've had, I think it's been more or less 12 to 15, 12 to 13 years now, there's usually a consistent number of questions that come up across the board, right? It doesn't matter if I'm having a conversation with a client or if I'm having a conversation with a family member or friend, there's usually a number of questions that everyone has or everyone asks me at some point or the other. So I really want to use this opportunity today with hopes that Maybe some of the insight that I share with you guys today or some of the things that won't cover will give you guys some inspiration or just give you guys, I don't know, a little bit of wisdom behind some of those questions that may be eluding you. So before we get into that, I want to I want to go over a quick outline. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that these are this is the order in which we're going to tackle each one of these bullet points. But I do want I do want to speak to what the bullet points are so that you guys could have an events foresight so you guys can see and and be able to determine whether or not you want to uh, rather be write some notes down or if there's anything that you feel may speak to you um, specifically speaks to you as it relates to something that you could be challenged with right now it's something you can kind of set aside and and, and with hopes of or with excitement look forward to having us review today on this journey so just kind of going bullet by bullet so one of the things that we're going to talk about is the magic of movement magic of movement. So beyond what you go through or what you experience on the outer level, what are some of the things that are going on internally within your body? What are some of the magic that's taking place that we often take for granted? So we'll be able to dive into that a little bit. We're then going to get into mindset, why mindset matters. Um, From there, we're going to go to the ROI, so returning your investment, making sure that you're getting the most out of each training session or cardio session. Um, We'll then go into the balance training, why balance training is important, not just as it relates to BOSU ball stability discs. We're talking about your atomic alignment, your kinetic chain, making sure everything is hitting on all cylinders. We're then going to get into my belief about what I think is the most or my favorite form of training, um, whether it be circuit training, weight training, uh, heavy training. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll uncover a lot of that stuff. We'll then work into the warm-up. Why is it important? What your mindset should be? What are some of the objectives you should take into every warm-up? We'll then get into the cool-down, stretching, why stretching is important. When is, the, when is the appropriate time to stretch? What kind of stretch is best done at the beginning as well as at the, be- at the end of the workout? Obviously, having a foundation in nutrition, we're definitely going to spend a little time talking about pre- and post-nutrition. We all know how important that is. We'll then get into water, hydration. Why is hydration important throughout the duration of your workout? We'll also get into the importance of sports muscle recovery. Now, again, there's a variety of different ways you can go about that. So I don't want you guys to think that, okay, he's going to recommend that I go seek out a sports massage therapist. That's only one way to go about it. So we'll be able to uncover that a little bit. From there, we're going to go into the duration of the workouts. Right? What's your usual duration of your workouts and how do they necessarily align with one or what I believe to be the most ideal uh, duration for each training or conditioning or whatever regimen. So we'll get into that. All right. So that's kind of, again, that's going to be what we're going to talk about. And I wanted to go over it bit um, bullet point by bullet point, just so you guys, again, have that understanding. So you know what to, to look forward to, but all right. So here's the thing, guys, whenever we have a, a podcast 
journey like today where it's just me speaking to you guys, I'm going to create the outline where before we even go any further into the subject, I want to be able to what I'm going to call the power of words. I want to be able to attach a word to each show. I think there's a profound strength and beauty that comes from words. Words have a beautiful ability to be able to transport you from one place to the other. However, I also believe that the more information and insight we have about words, the less power those words have over us. So in order to kind of get this journey going, I want to be able to, with this on today's show, I want to be able to attach the word perseverance. Now, people constantly ask me, okay, well, where are these words coming from? Or just if you're at home wondering where these words are coming from, now it could come from what, uh, you know, it could come from a word that I'm inspired by, something that comes up in conversation often, or maybe it's a word that I keep, it keeps showing up in any kind of literature that I'm reading, or it could just be something that I'm moved to as I open up the dictionary and I panel my fingers through. But perseverance for me came up, especially because I was recently blessed with an blessed with an opportunity to speak to my family at Lululemon. I was asked to lead a conversation about the effects or to be able to overcome perseverance and what it means to or met with resistance. What are some of the things that we do to overcome them? And I find that not only as it relates to having a conversation with these amazing individuals, you know, in this conversation at Lululemon, but as it relates just in general, I feel like whenever you have the opportunity to tie a story into whatever it is you're trying to communicate, I think that is a, a profound way of making sure that it gives us all an opportunity to be able to connect with that story, right? So even if I don't necessarily come from your background or your experiences, usually a story can have a unifying way of bringing us all together. So I want to not get too far off a topic, but give you guys a little bit of insight into the story that I, sh I share with my Lululemon family about perseverance. So when I was younger, I'd probably say about 13 or 14 years old, I was living at home. And prior to growing up, I, I grew up in a household full of all my sisters. I had six sisters, and I had a mother and a grandmother. And my father wasn't necessarily around. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I had a situation with my mom, and she was like, you know what? I want you to go live with your father for some time. And I said, okay, great. So I, I ended up flying to Seattle, Washington, all the way from the East Coast, and up up until that point, I had, you know, my father and I had communicated, but communication and connection was very limited up until that point. And back in those days, you could come off the plane, and as soon as you came off the plane, the person who was waiting for you was right by, right by the terminal when you came off the plane. Not like it is now, where you have to go down, you have to go around left, right until you get to uh, until you get to someone holding up a sign that says, "Hey, Fahim." you know, or such and such party, or, you know, you run against or you come against uh, family members or anyone that's waiting for you. Usually how it how it was, at least back in those times, that person was able to meet you as soon as you got the plane. So I remember walking up and meeting my, you know, me and my father, and he's this larger than life figure. And I remember one thing that, you know, one thing that's, that was uncommon, at least to me at that point, is my father was was fluent in Arabic. So he would often go off go um, back and forth between Eric and English, Eric and English. And I remember he asked me, he said, so how's your mom doing? And I said, proudly, you know, I'm a huge mama, mama's boy. So I said, my mom is doing great. And I start smiling. And he says, oh, well, your mom's nothing but another bent. And bent in Arabic means woman. And for me, I took it to mean something else. And I'll let you guys figure out what I thought that word meant. So needless to say, him and I get into this huge blowout where we're swinging, things are flying all over the place, and I finally run away, and I get to a payphone in Seattle, and I call my mom and tell her what happens. Obviously, she's devastated by what happened, and she's like, hey, I should never send you out there. Stay where you are. I'll send, or I'll find a way to send you back home. 
And I don't know where I got the foresight or the inspiration to do this, but I told my mother that I wasn't going to get back on the plane or I wasn't going to um, present myself in front of her again until I could become the person in which she was proud of. Now, again, that was my mindset. It didn't necessarily, and I'm not saying that there was something that was communicated at any point that made it feel as if she wasn't proud of me. I think on uh, I think it was on a contrary to that. I think there was a calling that I had to be something more and better than where I was, that I wanted to make sure that I did my homework and my due diligence on myself to make sure that the next time I stood in front of her, it could be someone that was even further along in this level of evolution than I was at that point. Now, mind you, I was only 14. So I'm in this I'm in this beautiful city, but at that time, you know, obviously it's it's obviously it's a lot to take in. I mean, the sun is setting. I've never been in Seattle, and I think to myself out loud, you know, if I can just catch a bus somewhere and I can find some kids playing football, whether it be today or tomorrow, you know, this is summertime, so football practice is probably going on, and I can prove my value, chances are the head coach or someone there will find a place for me to stay. So when met with that challenge and met with that degree of adversity, instead of looking outward to see, okay, where I can place blame, you know, whether it be my father or whether it be my mother for putting me in this situation, for me, and again, and I'm not saying that I had this profound way of being and I just kind of always had this about myself. I'm not saying that at all. I think we, I think uniquely, I think we all have moments in our lives where our truest, truest, more, more, the core of who we are comes to the foreground as, as opposed to being in the background. And in that opportunity, I took it or I saw it as an opportunity to meet the challenge and not to not to find fault or, or 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 an opportunity for me to be anyone's victim, but to take the opportunity to say, okay, what is this life challenge right now trying to one teach me, or two, what is there about this that I need to learn about myself in order to overcome this obstacle? Because there's something in this challenge that's going to help me become a better Fahim, whether I know it now or whether it's something that I come into later. Without a doubt that this challenge that I'm being met with for whatever reason, where can or what can I rely on to keep me core, keep me connected to those core principles that I know to be true? So I'm obviously I'm abbreviating this subject or I'm abbreviating the story because I don't want to get too long winded on this journey uh, on the podcast today. But I want to kind of share with you guys a little bit of what I told um, the team members at Lululemon. When you're met with certain opportunities that and I call them opportunities because I think Oftentimes we look at them as a negative, and I think a lot of times that's where the magic happens. That's where the Fahim that you're meant to be or the whomever you are you're meant to become, those are the trying times that help help you magnetize or magnify who you are who you are truly placed on this planet to be. In that experience you're meant to be able to express with others, right? It's not through all the opportunities that you have to be at peace and everything to be you know, status quo, it's usually when you're met with those challenges that to most people seem unsurmountable, that you really find out not only what you're made of, but you really find out what those lessons are. Because there's something about that lesson that who knows, there could be later on in life, something about your story that you need to help resonate and inspire other people. So here's here's what I left them with. I think that there should be four to five pillars that you should always hold true. Right? We always hear about core values, and I think core values are perfect. They help identify and making sure that you're doing things that align with who you are and where you want to be. But equally as important, I call them core pillars. So core pillars for me are things that when I'm met with challenges, these are things that I can rely on that always bring me back home. Right. The first of my core pillars is knowing that nothing's personal. Nothing's personal. We have an ability to see how things show up in our lives, and instead of just seeing it for what it is, we put our human emotion and perception on those things. 
oh, wow, this is happening because of something I'm doing wrong. This is happening because there's just something about me, right? So what I try to remind myself is first and foremost, nothing is personal. The second thing on my pillar is there's always a learning opportunity. There's only two ways to look at life. There's blessings and then there's lessons. And when you ultimately, when you understand the lesson behind it, that too becomes a blessing, right? So number two for me is always understanding that there's a lesson to be learned in every experience. It doesn't matter how challenging it is. Three, get truly rooted and grounded in where you are, really grounded in where you are, right? So when these storms come, for me, it always helps to be able to anchor myself into where I am. And what I mean by anchoring myself in is that really own and understand how fortunate I am to have the things in my life, to be present where I'm at in my life in the midst of all this chaos. What are things that I have in my life that I know to be true that I should be grateful for? Because sometimes, even if I'm focusing so much on this storm, when you, when you, when you overshoot all the many blessings that you have in your present state, you, you feel you, you're, you're much more vulnerable to, the, to, to becoming reactionary and responding to this thing that's being presented to you at this time. But I feel like if you're able to be present enough to understand how you have all these other amazing things working in your favor, I think it not only keeps you in a mindset of gratitude, but it helps you be able to perceive this storm that you're going through from a different lens. And sometimes seeing things from a different lens can mean all can make all the difference in the world. And number four on my pillars, surround yourself with a community of people who want to see you prosper, who want to see you be successful, and more importantly, who want to see you live a life of love and abundance. Find that pillar group. And what I in, in the analogy I, I gave to the team at Lululemon was, you know, in so what I like to do is I like to tell these pillars that I have in my life, hey, I'm officially putting you on my list of pillars. And, you know, chances are someone always responds, okay, what the heck does that mean, right? I mean, does this mean you calling me for money? Are you calling me for some kind of fit tips or anything? And it's always, it's always a, a cool conversation because when people understand that, hey, you know what? No, this is a list of people that I call when I'm in the midst of those storms that remind me more importantly of the strength that I have within myself that help give me the tools and inspire me to find my way through this moment or through these challenges. When you break that down to them, Usually, I find in my response or the response that a lot of my friends and family members who are part of my list, people usually take on that responsibility with pride and they're excited to be able to help not only mean that or be that person for you, but there's always something that they could take from your struggle that could help them in the future as, as they encounter theirs because it's inevitable that we're all going to run against those challenges. So where do you go to persevere beyond it? All right. So hopefully I didn't become too uh, too long winded. Again, I wanted to shorten up the conversation or the story a little bit um, for the purposes of this podcast. And I'll elaborate more um, more on that story. I know there's probably a few of you guys are like, OK, so what happened in Seattle? <laughs> so we'll share some insight on that a little later in this journey. But I really wanted to just touch a little bit on perseverance. So if you so if you have anything that you're going through now, keep in mind coming up with your pillar system could be a really good way to go. OK. All right, so great. So let's get into the let's all right, so let's get into the subject. Okay, so beginning with mindset. So oftentimes when I'm when I'm working with clients, you'd be surprised. Like a lot of times, if if your schedule is anything like mine, let's say if I have on my on my docket that I'm gonna work out at two o'clock, usually what happens is from the moment you say go, you're always responding to things throughout your day, right? And I say, okay, well, I'm gonna work all the way up to one. Maybe try to consume something light, have that completed by 1.30, let it digest through my system and be prepared to work out by 2 o'clock. But what we fail to understand is that 
if you don't go out your way to make sure that you're doing things that's going to help you get within a proper mindset, you're not going to get the biggest or the largest benefit you can from that time that you're spending working out. And I think mindset matters as it relates to anything, but especially as it comes to working out. You want to make sure that you're present and you're 100% dialed in because mindset matters. It can change the ability to be able to do things and function at an optimum level. It could impact the way you. Um, it could. It could impact the way you take on certain levels that challenge you or resistance. It could also impact your intensity of your workout. It could impact your form and technique. It can. So it can impact a variety of different things. So here's what I like to do with my clients. I like my clients to help me come up with a one sentence or two sentence. So that they can say to themselves, and I usually try to keep it between one or two sentences because it can fit on the back of a business card. And I usually encourage my clients 20 minutes before you start your workout, recite these sentences or recite the, the sentence to yourself. Right. So it's usually a sentence that has something to do with helping you tap into the mindset that you need to have going into the workout. You know, so one of the ones that I play with is uh, okay. You know, I, Fahim, honor the fact that for 60 minutes, I'm going to choose to celebrate my body through the movement of X, Y, and Z. So whatever I'm doing for that day, whether it be resisting training, running, swimming, cycling. And in honoring this, I celebrate all the beautiful complexities in which my body has to orchestrate together in order to unify this movement. I choose to celebrate that through being present. So now I know that's, <laughs> I know that's a bit long-winded, but trust me, it fits on the back of my card. So one of the things I try to always encourage clients to do is do things that are going to help you get within the right mindset, because that's going to impact your return of investment, which is our next bullet point. So return of, uh, return of investment, ROI, is something that I didn't coin, I can't get any credit for. It's something that I think often comes up when you're talking to anyone in the fitness or fitness or nutrition industry. And what it means is making sure that you're doing everything you can. Everything you can, whether it be the 45 minutes, the 30 minutes, or 60 minutes to get a, to increase the return on your investment. Yes, mindset is one of the most important keys to doing that. Right. I think until you have the proper mindset and you're just kind of you're just kind of working around, you're not necessarily dialed in, that could have a profound effect on you getting the results that you want, as well as you getting the, the, the proper output and enjoyment in the process. So here's what I tell clients to do. When it comes to training. Right? There are certain tricks that you can use to increase your range of motion or your, I'm sorry, your return of your investment. I'm thinking about the other ROI. So one of the things I tell them to do is, hey, really set out to make sure that you're incorporating, if you're, if you're focusing on a strength training routine, for example, you want to make sure that some of the routines or exercises that you have are compound exercises. Compound meaning that they incorporate your entire body. right? Because by doing that, you're not only working your body in a way that's making sure that every muscle is working in concert with each other, but you're actually dialing up your caloric and your energy, your, your energy output for the workout, right? Another thing that I try to tell my clients, especially those who are doing, let's say if you're doing a cardio bout where you're going for a run or you're going for swimming for 60 seconds. So our body has this gas in our system called glycogen. And anything that we do to kind of help burn through that glycogen storage, it then helps us get to our fat storages. So what I tell clients is that if you're going for a long run, do about 15 or do 15 reps, probably three sets of sit-ups or push-ups to kind of just really get that glycogen storage used, used up as much as possible so that you're maximizing. Again, you're getting a huge return on your investment during that 60-minute run or 45-minute run. So there are just so many different ways in which you can add more value or return of investment into the workouts that you're putting in. So really just start being creative and thinking about, are you taking every opportunity you can to dial that return of your investment up? Okay.
So that takes me to our next point. Our next point is balanced training. So when I say balanced training, usually people think, okay, well, he must be relating to or referring to um, stability disc or stability balls and all that stuff. Listen, all that stuff is great, but I'm talking about something a bit more, even more, uh, even more important than that. So we have certain abilities within our body to know whether or not we're doing things that we're doing things in a manner or in a movement pattern that 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 we're supposed to be, or if there are certain things within our mechanics that are showing certain imbalances, right? So if there's a tightness in certain areas, then there's going to be an overactivation in others. So what I mean by balance training, being in corrective exercise as long as I've been, there's usually certain movements that you can have each client go through that are usually highlight those in, insufficient movements. And here's two reasons why it's important. The first reason being, you know, if you're not maximizing the full optimum advantage uh, or strength in your hamstrings and your glutes or your quads, or your, you know, name any muscle group of your body. If you're not maximizing that output, you're not going to be as efficient, which means you're not going to make huge strides to get at your goal within the shortest, most timely way possible. Not only that, but if you don't take these certain imbalances into consideration, and we all have them, we all have these imbalances. So if you don't take these into consideration, chances are you're going to put yourself in a position to become injured if not now, later on down the road. Because let's just take it for example, again, like I said, using the analogy of one muscle being weak or not firing properly, all that responsibility falls on its neighbor. So if we're overloading some areas and not loading others at all, how long do you think we have until that leads into a back problem or a knee problem? So here, so here's, here's what I would suggest. For all those who find a mirror at home and come up with just a few movements that you can do that usually tells the whole story. Right. So I tell I usually tell my clients and I know I'm kind of getting a little into what I want to touch on at the closing of the show, giving you guys these tools. Um, so I guess I'll say those tools for later. So for now, just know that balance training, you want to be important or you want to be mindful of the movement that you have going on. All right. That's important. All right. So next we're going to talk about stretching. So obviously, I think I think anyone could tell you how important stretching is. Right. It's one of the things that I mean, you can't look up a mag or open up a magazine without seeing someone tout the benefits of stretching. I do feel like, however, that there needs to be a, a there's there's an ideal approach to stretching that we should probably take into consideration, right? So you have your let's just talk as it relates to just your static and your dynamic stretching, right? So I often think, or what I think is the most ideal time or way to roll out the different variations of stretching. So a dynamic stretch is something that has to do with being able to take a movement to the apex of a movement or range of motion and then back maybe holding it for about two to three counts and then coming back. So let's envisioning that you're doing a deep squat and you're lowering your body as low as you can. At certain parts throughout that range of motion, you may feel the stretch in your, in your, uh, in your IT bands or your glutes or your adductors. It all depends on the style and the, in the range of motion of the squat that you're doing. But after holding that squat just for about two to three count, then you're going to come back up, right? So a stretch would be being able to take that deep squat range of motion and holding it at the lowest point, but then keeping it for a count of six to seven seconds, right? So the good thing about studies is that different studies support different theories. What I believe is that just like you would, just like you would want to go through the proper way of warming up a rubber band before stretching, I usually use that same analogy for um, stretching your ligaments or your muscles as it pertains to a workout. If you're doing a workout, I recommend doing a dynamic warm-up because that's going to help you or dynamic stretch because that's going to help you ultimately warm up the body while at the same time lengthening the muscle fascia and the ligaments and the tendons and all that good stuff and then leaving your static stretching for the end 
because that aids in recovery. Now, studies also show or some studies support the fact that by doing static stretching prior to a workout, you make your muscles a little more, a, a bit more susceptible to injury. So that's also something that you want to take into consideration, right? Because you want to make sure that you're doing things that's going to help you be able to recover well. But more importantly, you want to prepare your body to be able to give its best for the workout ahead. Now, you can't give your body the best without considering water. Our next bullet point. So what we don't understand, or what a lot of times what we misrepresent or what we don't acknowledge is that our muscles are made up of 70% muscles, right? So our muscles are made out of 70% water, I'm sorry. So throughout the duration of a workout, just think about all the water, right? All the water that you're expending, all the water that you're losing. So what I try to tell clients is that throughout the workout, especially at post-recovery, you want to make sure that you're staying hydrated properly because properly hydrating is going to help reduce soreness and more importantly, it's going to help expedite your recovery, right? So hydration is something that's very important and is something that we definitely don't want to take lightly because I think a lot of times what happens often, especially, you know, especially for those of us who are working outside, changing climates matter. So all that sweating and all that stuff is great, but you want to make sure that you're doing the best you can to help your body recover is more importantly, stay hydrated. So if you if you want to take all that in consideration, you can't have that conversation without first thinking about the importance of hydration and water. All right. So give that some thought. So our next our next bullet point is the importance of sports muscle therapy. Now, what I so so here's the thing about massage therapy, right? Some people are great with it, some people are not so much. Like I'm not a huge fan of getting massages, but I understand their I understand the value and how important they are. So a few of my favorite forms of modalities when it comes to musculature uh, therapy. So you have your deep tissue, which I, you know, which I highly recommend. You have your Thai massage, and then you have your trigger point therapy. And then, of course, you have your, your sports massage. So the trigger point therapy is something that I constantly communicate with my clients here, uh, here at the studio. And then it's also something that I use on, my, on myself day in and day out. Um, being, I'm a huge believer here of uh, the Hyperice foam roller and some of their devices just because, again, the motor, the motor um, mechanism within a foam roller just helps with the stimulation and warmth of the muscles. But, you know, trigger release therapy is one of the things that are, one, the least inexpensive things that you can do and as well is the most effective thing that you can do for your body. So I tell clients, if you can't make a schedule to go see a massage therapist or go by your nearby you know, whatever massage place you may find, you know, invest in a foam roller or two, you know, in different shapes and different sizes, because they're going to help you get to different parts of your body. So I strongly recommend, especially your, especially if you have clients who are a little slow to recover, who, who lack in certain, lack in certain areas of flexibility, who are concerned about the proper blood circulation of their, um, proper circulation of their blood flow. It's a great way to start. So I always tell each client before you start a program, go out and invest in a foam roller. And you'll be surprised, you'll be surprised how much of a difference just by incorporating that one little thing can make. And then from there, once you get into the habit of doing that, if you want to go out your way and make sure that you're doing things like uh, scheduling a weekly massage for yourself, then that's all the good as well. But a foam roller is something that's inexpensive and it's something that you can do as early as today. Okay. So that brings us into, let's go into your warm up. So the warm up, the reason why I want to touch a little bit on warm up is because I feel like you know, one of the things that I had to, one of, I guess one of the one of the things that I had to properly communicate with clients is that everyone hears about warming up and they assume all warm-ups are created equal. 
And what's, but what was more alarming is that nine times out of 10, whenever talking to clients, there wasn't necessarily a mindset or approach that went into warming up. It was like, okay, we're just going to warm, we're just going to run in place or do jumping jacks until we warm up. And that's one way to go about it. But here's my suggestion. You know, when you find out what muscles are your body that are slower to fire than others or what areas of your body are really tight or what areas of your body are weak, make your warm up be a part of activating those muscles so that those muscles feel included for the workout ahead. If your adductors aren't firing and you externally rotate on everything you're doing, let warming up be a part of activating those adductors. Same thing for your glute medius and hamstrings. Find out or seek out areas of your body that are weak or just aren't conditioned to firing and make warming up a part of activating those muscles, right? Because by doing so, you're going to make sure that you're preparing your body the best way you can for the movement ahead. Not only is it going to increase your body temperature and promote blood flow as optimally as possible, but now you're engaging some of those muscles that usually wouldn't be included in the workout. Now you're including those things. And don't rush through it. I tell clients all the time, your warm-up should be anywhere between 5 to 10 minutes. Don't feel like that's a part that you have to rush through. Really be, really have, really have a game approach, approach to how you want to go about it and making sure that you're really seeking out those muscles that are a bit slow to fire, like I said, and really getting those and engaging those muscles before you get into the workout. All right, understood? Great. So since we're talking about time, you know, as it relates to warming up, let's just talk about the duration of the workout. So you'll hear different things. Some people say in 30, some people giving you more of it, you know, different styles of warming up. Or if you're doing a high intense warm out, uh, workout, it could be 30 minutes. If you're doing a long duration, it could be 60. Here's what I generally say. Usually you want to use about 10 minutes for the warm up. So then if it's, if you're looking at it in, a, in, in, if you're looking at it and dividing it by an hour, 60 minutes, that would leave you 50 minutes for the workout ahead. Usually when it comes to regardless of what your goals, regardless of what you what your goals are, if you're talking about optimum lung health and heart health and blood circulation and all that good stuff that comes with it, on in addition to the muscle definition, the weight loss, the improved speed, and all that good stuff, whatever your goals may be for working out, usually you'll find that finding a target range around 45 to 60 minutes is more ideal. And not ideal because that's gonna help you again get to some of the external goals that you may have faster, whether it be the weight loss or the building muscle mass. But you'll find that, generally speaking, when you start looking at some of the under, some of the other things that are going on within your body, like I said, you know, heart rate health, when you start looking at blood, um, blood vessels improving, when you start looking at the benefits of heart and lung capacity and all that stuff, usually you'll find that average usually averages about 45 to 60 minutes. So what I like to tell clients is go into it with the mindset that I'm going to do 60. And if you find that you run out of time, then you run out of time. But do something that inspires you to move. I mean, there's times where I want to get a 60-minute run in, but I can only get 30. But that's all I could do. But I'm still being productive. And more importantly, I'm still celebrating my body through movement. So the durations can vary. What's more important than the duration, in my, in my opinion, is the mindset and your approach about it. All right? So speaking of approach... We can't talk about approach without touching a little bit on your pre-workout meals, right? So the pre-workout meals is very important. So you'd be surprised. I often get clients all the time who get to me and sometimes they feel lightheaded or fatigued or they feel faint. And I often tell my clients, you know, if you, if you have about 30 minutes before your workout, then you want to eat something somewhat light, something complex that's going to be able to give you some, some natural energy without having these lows and spikes of blood sugar. 
Um, so you want to kind of focus maybe on a handful of almonds or a half an apple with a, with a uh, tablespoon of almond butter, something more complex like that. I've had it to where some clients respond well to having a banana 30 minutes before, but I usually caution against that just because of the sugar content. Usually there's kind of like a crash and go in that. If you're going to consume something um, and you have a bit more time for it to digest, then you can get something a bit more substantial. You can go more towards the oats or the potatoes or the beans or the quinoa. If you, if you have about an hour to an hour 45, you still want to take that into consideration as far as the output that you're working up to as far as your workout's concerned. But you can be a bit, you can add a little more versatility. Again, when you get inside that 30-minute window, you just want to think as it relates to your digestive system, making sure that you're eating something substantial but small enough to where you can digest it to where it just doesn't sit on your body for the duration of the workout. Right. So then that's you want to take that same rule of thumb, but somewhat different approach when it comes to your post-workout meals. So, you know, it's been supported and researched in and out. But ideally, you have about a 15 minute window after you after you work out to where your body's going to be the most susceptible to aiding in the recovery of the workout. So if you if, if you're if you're consistent with your consumption, you want to focus on how can you get the cleanest, most effective form of protein into your body. And then if you have those clients who want to have that little bit of sugar, now would be the time to do it. The natural kind of sugar, the good kind of sugar. Again, the bananas, what you know, the strawberries, whatever you want. I usually tell my clients, whatever you want to consume is usually a good time to do it because that sugar is going to help deliver that protein. So usually if I have clients who are, let's say, fans of bananas or coconut water or figs, I usually try to have them blend that into the smoothie that they're having or incorporate that into their salad. Because again, that little bit of that natural sweetness is going to help deliver the, the fluid and the electrolytes from the, from the coconut water or, for, or from the protein substitute or, or by replenishing the glycogen stores that you would have, you would have burnt through or the, or the carbohydrates you would have burned through through the work ahead. So I usually tell clients to keep that in mind. Make sure you already know what your game plan is prior to even starting your workout. Know ahead of time, what are some of the things that you're going to be called on to consume as soon as you finish your workout? Don't let that be something that you need to think about or you're not or you're not aware of what your next step is. If you're in a position where you can't consume something substantial, at least try to see if you can have on your person uh, probably a protein or a plant-based protein bar. You know, usually you'll find those bars are usually about 200 to 180 calories. And I usually consume one of those as well as a piece of fruit if I don't have time to get to a more substantial meal. And when I do have more time to get to a more substantial meal, then again, that looks more like the complex carbohydrates again, as well as um, some of the other go-tos that I usually go to, especially after the workout, whether it be the good fats and avocados or seaweed or some of the complex and the brown, brown rice, quinoa beans. So I usually try to make sure that I have, if, if I don't have them in close proximity to where I can consume them immediately after the workout, I have something that I could take into my body so that I can start aiding in that recovery. So you want to take that into consideration. So you'll get different people who have different belief systems when it comes to the type of training that makes the most sense for them. And again, this is just, you know, this is just my opinion, right? I think it was Mark Twain that said, it's not, it's not what we don't know that harms us most is what we think we know for sure. So all, you know, what I'm sharing with you guys is just my opinion. It's not, I'm not saying that any of this is doctrine. This is just something that I feel works the best for me and I've seen the best results for my clients. So when it comes to all the different types of movement that you can do, I'm a huge fan of circuit training. You know, ideally you want to make sure that you're, you're, if you're doing circuit training, you're understanding what it means to move and operate your own body before you start adding on loads. 
But when you do it properly, when you properly combine aerobic workouts with resistive training, it's an easy and efficient way to strengthen your heart, lungs, and your seven immune systems while simultaneously building muscle and shedding fat for a fact, right? And you can't necessarily say that for every form of training. Yes, there's pluses and minuses to everything. But that right there is the reason why it's a constant go-to for me. Constant go-to for me. So it's meant to be in the, it's meant to be a moderate to an intense level while at the same time lowering the weight in the regimen that you're using. So if you're using a heavy weight, then that's you're going to do more so on the hypertrophy kind of workouts. What I'm talking about with circuit training or bodyweight training is using a low reps that you can get maximum output and high maximum um, of reps, right? Because again, that's what's going to help get all those benefits, as I said on the onside, that's really going to help work in your favor, okay? So for me, you know, if it, if it had to come down to picking one, that's the one I'm picking 10 times out of 10. So that brings us to our last point, the magic of movement. So I can be up here all day talking about all the beautiful benefits to moving outside of what you may experience and see and feel and all that, but I'll just take it one step, one thing in and of itself. So we always talk about when we're talking about the immune system and, and expending toxins throughout our body, we think about our lymphatic system and our liver. But what we don't properly take into consideration is that we have over 3 million sweat glands throughout our bodies. Now, that comes in two different forms, right? There's one form that's all over our body, and then there's another form of sweat glands that's just in certain areas, your, your armpits, your genitalia area, your scalp. But just think about that for a second. There's over 3 million sweat glands throughout our body. And just by sweating alone, not only are you getting weight, are you getting rid of or you're reducing a lot of that arsenic and mercury and all that stuff that's within our systems, that's within all of us, but you're also freeing up a lot of those toxins that prevent your brain from functioning at the most optimal level. So when you're having people experience brain fog or you have people that feel a bit lethargic, it's no wonder that they feel better and better every time they show up for a workout. You know, so take that into consideration and just think that maybe that may be the one thing or one of the many things that you don't think about. You may think about it, okay, I'm just showing up for this workout, but what else is going on under the surface that you may not be considering? And usually what I find is that if you start giving those things some thought, you start understanding all the beauty that maximizes or all the beauty that's taking place while you're moving your body the way you're doing it. So here's what I like to tell clients when it comes to physical activity and really stimulating those sweat glands. You know, if you're if you're an adult in the way, anywhere the range is between 20 to 30 years old, you want to be around a heart rate between 130 to 150 beats per minute. If you're 60 to 70 years old, you want to be anywhere between 104 to 120, right? So that's usually what I call that's 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 the magic moment. So you want to try to see if you can at best stay within those ranges because that's going to give you the highest level of a return of your investment, and it's really going to promote getting those sweat glands glowing, uh, going and getting a lot of those toxins out your body. And here's another cool thing that I recently found out, and I was kind of, it was really exciting when I found it out, but they actually say that studies show that bouncing up and down in place, so think about BOGO sticks, think about jumping jacks, is actually the most, one of the most efficient ways to stimulate your lymphatic system, right? So if you're talking to someone that's challenged with constantly feeling like they're being attacked, their immune system is under attack, or they're not feeling well, or they're fighting the flu, or they're fighting whatever, seasonal allergies, just have them bounce around consistently before the workout, at the end of the workout, or even not even surrounding a workout. Maybe just bounce around um, off and on for about two minutes before you get dressed and get ready for work or at the end of your day. It's been shown to help encourage or improve your lymphatic system. So I just thought that was really cool and it was exciting to share. All right. So hopefully I didn't go over too long in the time, but 
before I leave, I want to make sure that I share some some tools that you guys can start incorporating in your day that can make a monumental shift in just where you are right now. So let's start. So here, here are some of the tips. First, as I mentioned, and I know I kind of got away from it, but the balance training. Here are three exercises that I want you to be able to do in front of a mirror that's going to tell you everything you need to know. Overhead squat. Find a mirror at home. It could be one of those mirrors that you buy at Walmart, at Target, at wherever you get your mirrors from. Put a lift mirror on the back of your door if you don't have one and do an overhead wall squat. Extend your arms up above your head. Imagine that you're holding, I don't know, a book over your head, a dowel over your head, a broomstick over your head and squat. And what I want you to do is I want you to see if all your ligaments are in line with one another. If your toes are in line with your knees, if your knees are in line with your hips, if your hips are in line with your shoulder. If you see any external rotation, if there's any tightness anywhere, any pain anywhere, if you start collapsing forward, those are certain telltales that you want to make sure that you write down so that you take into consideration. Because believe it or not, when you write that information down, they're going to tell you something about your mechanics that probably need to be addressed. All right. So if you're collapsing forward, chances are your hip flexors are really tight and your psoas are tight as well. All right. If you're externally rotating, your heels are coming up. Chances are your calf and your IT bands are really tonic and tight as well. So do that. The other the other movement, do a lunge. You know, get a profile position of the mirror. Make sure you're facing whatever direction you want to face, but you should be able to see the side of your body and and, and perform a lunge on each side. Maybe do ten at a slow pace, and I want you to mimic the movement on each leg and see which leg you, not only which leg you feel the most secure, most stable in, but look at the mechanics behind each one. Are you collapsing forward? Um, are you finding it hard to have stability at all? Is there any pain that's being, uh, any pain that's showing up? Those are just one of the, those are just two of the exercises that I want you to do. And then thirdly, I want you to perform a basic standard plank. Plank, and then after you plank for about 30 seconds, take it into a 10 rep push up. See, again, look at your body and look at the mechanics. Are your hips hiking up? Is your spine collapsing downward? Are you finding that your shoulders, one shoulder is higher than the other? You know, when you get to certain pain, a certain point of your range of motion, is there any pain? So just do those three exercises, and those exercises are going to tell you a lot of what you need to know about your mechanics in your body. The second tool, come up with your mindset matters quote or your sentence to yourself. If you're if you're if you're new to working out or if you're working out all the time, we can always use or uh, we can always use a new beginning or a new mindset or a new approach to our workout. So just as I would encourage my clients here at home, I encourage you guys come up with a mindset statement or a sentence that you can say to yourself that'll really help you get into the right mindset that you need for your workout. Right. All right. So the third tool: invest in a trigger point therapy. It doesn't have to be a fancy foam roller. I know I mentioned Hyperice. I'm a huge fan of Hyperice, but it can also be a foam foam roller that you find on Amazon for like $4, but make the investment. The investment is important. It helps with recovery and improves flexibility. And I find that nine times out of 10, not only can I, but nine times out of 10, a lot of my clients, if not all my clients could definitely use some improved flexibility. So I highly, highly recommend it. And I think it's important to do that. All right, so that's three. And then my last meal or my last tip or tool would be start keeping a journal. I know you hear it a lot, but especially when you start thinking about as it relates to your pre-workout and your post-workout meals, you want to make sure you're writing these things down because I want you to be able to look back and say, okay, you know what? I noticed that when I had this, I had more energy for the workout. And when I consumed that, I felt a bit lethargic. I felt like I had, I was feeling fatigue. I couldn't finish the workout. What does that point to? And then I also noticed that a lot of my benefits came 
when I was consuming these kind of foods after my workout as opposed to consuming the other kind of foods. So just those are just the four tools that I want you guys to be able to take away from today with hopes that they can help encourage and who knows, um, bring, bring a lot of value to, to this journey of movement and fitness. All right, guys. So just like with every journey and every podcast, I really hope that there was something that might have inspired or connected with one of you guys on the other receiving in. And like all, oh, I hope to been able to add life and breathe life, more life into your own unique journey. And thank you again for taking your time and honoring this moment and being present with me on today's podcast. I look forward to sharing more in the future. Breathe life. Thank you.